you have made the serious mistake of tuning into Talkin' Tuscaloosa with Jimmy and Luke. On an almost weekly basis, Jimmy and Luke discuss the latest sports happening at the University of Alabama, and if you are especially unlucky, they might review a movie or tell you something that happened in their pathetic lives. Now, without further ado, to misinform you about Alabama football, here are the idiots, Jimmy and Luke. Hey again, everybody, and welcome into Talking Tuscaloosa. Luke Robinson along with Jimmy Stein. As always, Jimmy, how are you today? I'm good. We haven't done this in a while. I'm a little rusty. Oh, I'm definitely rusty. And YouTube is screwed around and like updated their shit. And oh, no. I couldn't find how to start this whole thing. I had to go back to the beta version. And I'm not even sure how I did that the first time. And then I couldn't, we couldn't hear you. So I had to reboot and we do it again. And then I didn't know how I got back there. And it was all a big cluster screw. Oh, those cluster screws. I hope we get to talk. You know, we, we, we usually sort of vote on an agenda. I think we should do a lot of recruiting talk today. You know why? Why is that? I mean, all the coaches are on the road recruiting. So that's what we're doing right now. If we were practicing, we'd be discussing practice. For scrimmaging, we'd be discussing scrimmage. Coaches are on the road recruiting. I think we should talk about recruiting. And we missed and, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, but nobody wants to hear I don't know that anybody wants to hear a recap of we played an extremely vanilla form of offense and defense <laughs> so as not to give away the schemes that we're actually going to use in the games. Because we played such a vanilla form of offense and defense, the game was not exactly exciting. However, a handful of young players stood out and proved that they will be significant players in the fall, including, but not limited to, DJ Dale and Shane Lee and John Mechie. Unbeknownst to you, you just recapped A-Day. I did, and now we can just put that to bed. That's sorry, bitch to bed. Um, yeah. Let's see, well, qu- very quickly, before we get into mm-hmm. Tuscaloosa stuff, every the stuff everybody's talking about, have you seen Avengers Endgame or the Game of Thrones the last few weeks? I have never seen Game of Thrones in my life. Not one okay. episode ever. First of all, that makes no yes. sense because you love Buzzards. <laughs> and that's, I'm, it I'm might as well be called, like, if it was called Valerian Steel and Huge Racks, I think that would be more appropriate. I'm aware of... I have a general idea of what goes on in Game of Thrones, and how can you not if you participate in social media of any kind? I'm aware of Game of Thrones and sort of plot lines, what's happening. I'm aware there's lots of boobs, uh, and, and that that's that's fantastic. But uh, I do not. I just. It's not that I'm refused to watch it. I can't. I don't. We we don't have HBO. Uh, <laughs> nor, nor so it makes that difficult. Makes it difficult. Uh, and, that, but that uh, be, you're you're watching it. I will say this. Uh, I, I think uh, when the show soon ends, and I, and I believe the series, not just the season, but I think the series is ending soon. Once the series has completely ended, that's exactly the kind of show that I would buy a box set and just binge watch it because it does sound like something I would really like. And not just about the boobs. I mean, we all have the internet. I mean, that's just a giant boob box. So, I mean, you know, I don't need game of Thrones for that. However, uh, I, I'm very likely to buy the box set when it's all done. Cause that does sound like something I would dig. You know, we do all have access to boobs and whenever we want them on the internet, that's exactly right. Yeah. 
But there is something cool about seeing it um, sort of at random times on television. Because well, it we feels need a story like line. it's more okay that way. Like if hey, you're I'm, watching I'm porn old. on your computer, you kind of feel like, all right, I'm really hoping right now that nobody knocks on my door. But if you're just well, watching Game of Thrones and boobs come on, you're like, hey, I, I, what do you want me to do? I'm watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> Yeah, I can't help it that these boobs just flashed on the screen. Wife, don't complain to me. Complain yeah. to the producers. Yeah, but isn't uh, the show great? Look yeah. at the dragons. I'm going to look at the boobs. You look at the dragons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I get old, I'm 49 now, and maybe, uh, you know, as far as the boob box goes, when you're 18 or 19, you know, you just Google, you know, boobs. But I, I'm old now. I'm, I'm, I need a storyline. I need a storyline to go with the boobs. I need, like, I need a plot. I need it to be germane to the plot. I need I need it to be a big part of the show. I just don't need, you know, just for boob's sake. So uh, I think Game of Thrones should have excellent storylines for, for that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah I'm on board. Louis C.K. had a great yeah. line about that. He said, you know, he said, look, he said, yeah, I brought I, I bought um, the DVD of Girls Gone Wild. I bought it. He said, you know why I bought it? Because I'm an adult. I bought it like an adult. I, did, I could get it for free online, but I bought it like an adult. And he said, he said, but the problem with me now is he said, I'm middle-aged. And just as it was getting good, I was like, you irresponsible bitches, put, get the oil off your tits and go home and study. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Louis C.K. said it, not me. But I I know, that's, that is very funny. And that is so, that's so 49-year-old me. Like, oh, this is great. But, um, but, but there's always a butt now. Yeah. That's what happens when you're 49. There's always a butt. Yeah, this is great, but uh, but you also mentioned Avengers Endgame. I have not seen it yet, but I'm dying to, and I'm hoping that it's this weekend for me. I realize that uh, I might be the last human to, to witness it for the first time. I'm busting to see it, uh, and, and hopefully it'll happen for me this weekend. And I'm assuming no boobs? No boobs in Avengers, right? No, nah, and the only real shot you have at it, the only ones you probably – would be dying to see would be Scarlett Johansson and no, she doesn't show them, but um, it's, it's crazy. I went the I went opening night and um, we could, we could cure it by watching lost in translation and like picture in picture. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it just freaked me out that Thanos turned out to be captain America's father. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> have you read all the, have you read any of the spoilers yet? Uh, I've read reviews. Uh, I've read reviews. Uh, well, the last Avengers I watched, half of them are dead. So, I know they're back. coming back to life. They got to come back to life. And I think there's a time travel thing that makes them come back to life or something like that from the reviews I've read. And, and really, I mean, to me, it's a spectacle. It's not so plot driven that, that, that the, the spoilers won't kill it for me, but, uh, yeah, I'm 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 ex, I'm excited to see Avengers Endgame. The end, and not just the end of the Avengers series, but this basically does it not sum up 22 movies. It's sort of the climax of 22 Marvel movies. That's that's incredible. It's 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 one hell of an achievement. And the last time we're going to see these people, and I get sort of attached. I, I think most of the Marvel superheroes have been great, and 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 it saddens me that it's the last time we'll likely see Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, and Chris Hemsworth as Thor, and you know Ruffalo as Hulk, and all these people you get sort of attached to. You know, Paul Rudd does such a great job as Ant Man, and uh, you know, uh, so it's, it's sort of sad in a way because that's that's sort of the 
the the superheroes this generation has uh, has grown up with, and certainly certainly Chris Evans is Captain America, and I know they all want to do other roles, and I'm I'm sure Chris Evans chief among them. But I'm sorry, Chris, for the next ten movies I see you in, every time on screen I'm going to go, oh look, it's Captain America. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that. Now, don't watch the Spider Man Far From Home trailer if you don't want spoilers. It's out there, but it has yeah, a bunch seen of. It. Well, I've already seen the trailer. I've seen the trailer to Far From Home. I didn't know it had no, Avengers spoilers. That's hilarious. No, the brand new one, one that came out yesterday. Yeah, I guess it would have Avengers spoilers because it's a new Marvel Avengers type movie. That's but a great see, point. Th- there was this Far From Home trailer that had no spoilers, and now one just came out yesterday that it does have spoilers. Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, the movie's been out a couple weeks, so. I know. Sorry, I mean, you're, it's on you for not going. I mean. But, oh, yeah, that's true. And, and that's true. But, you know, we're extremely busy with our uh, no kid, no pet life. <laughs> I'm telling you, you've got a, a no HBO. <laughs> uh, no HBO. You would think, gosh, what do they do? But let me tell you, I mean, we live the most. We are freaking busy as shit every day with something. Mm, so I, anyway, <laughs> all right, but we well, do know. Let's, let's get to football, everybody. Um, yeah. So. Okay, recruiting wise, uh, what's what's mm-hmm. happening recruiting wise? Well, I mean, I think the huge news was the Drew Sanders commitment that happened a few days ago. It's a bit of a surprise, I think, in everybody that like me that enjoys either creating a list of kids that are likely to be a part of the class and commit to us, or read other people's opinions, whether they're professional writers or, or just internet posters. I enjoy those sort of things because you know it's a great thing to to, to discuss and. Uh, and, and I think no one in the world before he committed had Drew Sanders on that, on that list. So he's sort of a new name. And what's exciting is now here's a new name that sits atop the list of kids committed to us. Uh, Drew Sanders is, I'm not sure that right now he's a five star in the composite, but he certainly will be by the time the process is over. I've seen the tape. It speaks for itself on tape. He is, I jokingly refer to them as six stars because there, there, there's some five stars that are just Absolutely five stars. There's no other way to rate them. They're the guys that check every box that also are doing it against top competition. Those those are the guys that should be six stars because if you're doing it against top competition, you're removing a lot of the variables in ter- that makes evaluation tough. I'll use as an example the NFL draft that just passed us. One of the reasons I think so many SEC players are drafted these days is they play against other SEC athletes. And as silly as that sounds, the SEC is such a great proving board. You're, you're removing the variables. When Oklahoma, when, when Cody Ford, just to pick a player from there that's not Kyler Murray, Cody Ford, their offensive tackle, when he's on the field dominating Kansas – dominating Kansas State, dominating Iowa State, dominating Texas Tech. I'm not sure what he's showing us. But at the same time, when you watch Jonah Williams and he's good against Florida, he's good against Georgia, he's good against LSU, he's good against Auburn, you're getting a real look at how this guy is going to translate to the next level. High school football is the same thing. The most difficult kids to evaluate are good players that play against bad competition. Uh, I'll give an, I'm hopping around here, but, but, but to give another great example is this spring, I thought Justin Aboybe was more impactful this spring than Antonio Alfano. Uh, I'm not sure what it looks like on the depth chart, but if you looked at the pecking order of who's playing with the ones and who's not right now, you'd have to say a boy bay is getting more 
time with the ones and with the, what we would call the varsity starters than Alfano. And that's not because we've already decided Aboybe is better. It's just early. And the fact is Justin Aboybe played in big school Atlanta football, whereas Alfano played in New Jersey against much lesser competition. It made Aboybe better quicker and therefore a boy bay made a quick adjustment alfano's still learning now alfano i would predict is one day going to pass him up once once he gets past the learning curve but anyway one of the reasons that drew sanders to me is such a six star is because he plays against really good competition and he still has five star tape and and, and for that reason I think kids like him have a very low bust rate. Uh, so I would rate Drew Sanders of our 16 commitments in the 2020 class. I would rate Drew Sanders the best of all the kids committed to us. And he is a pass rusher. And as we showed last year with our two or three of our best pass rushers down, you can't have enough of them and, and you need a pass rusher in, in 2019 uh, college football, because much like the NFL, uh, these days, it's all about throwing it around, and if the other team's throwing it around, you better make it tough for the passer, or he's gonna he's gonna make you look silly. No, I'm right there with you. Now, the one thing that I took from that more than anything is that you pronounce his name Justin Aboy Bay. Is that correct? Is that right? That is correct. That is correct. I know it's like, a weird Aboy one. Aboy Bay sounds yeah. like something that like young girls call their boyfriends. <laughs> Does it not? It does. He's I like a boy it. bay. He's a boy boy. He's a boy bay. Those BTS, they got like six of boy bays. I dig it though. I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is pronounced a boy bay. There's a G somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, I think the G I is silent. I didn't, I didn't get your joke at first because I didn't know who BTS was. Now I do. I watched them on like 60 yeah, Minutes or forward. something. They're, that shit's bananas, man. Uh, They're not... It, I could do a whole hour just on complaining about their popularity. However, I mean, hell, hell, you know, just look at the boy bands of our generation, whatever you want to call new kids on the block and in sync women, women that are in their mid and early 40. We're, we're still talking about those guys. Yeah. And I blew, I watched the billboard, you know, billboard was on last week, you know, the billboard music show. And, and that is one thing we watch all the time. We make a big deal. Of the award shows, we have fun watching them. And when, when BTS was on the screen, I was, I was going, how in the hell can we tell which one's going to be the Timberlake? Which one's the Timberlake? We literally paused it on the screen and had like a 10-minute marriage argument over which one of the six are going to be, you know, the Timberlake of, uh, of the BTS. And it's just, just freaking impossible. Might as well just put their names, whatever they are, in a hat and picked it out. But, uh, and you know they all yeah, live in I mean, one big house together? Did you know that? Do they they sleep in drawers like on that uh, racist uh, the racist <laughs> racist racist episode of Seinfeld? Yeah, <laughs> they all sleep in the chest of drawers. It's a Feldman, wasn't it? A Feld or Fardman? <laughs> yeah, a Fardman, Carl Fardman. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, Jerry, I got Carl Fardman in the car. Yeah. He said, "Oh, <laughs> you're not doing so well, huh? You can't, can't afford an umbrella." <laughs> And he was he was cashing all those checks and getting rain. He said, "Well, maybe I can help you out if I can help you cash this check for twenty five cents." <laughs> and you can sit over there in the corner in your desk and work on your skits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was a damn good episode. Um, yeah, but right, so I, I, hate, I hate that BTS formed. 
way after sun falls off the air because they get oh, a good time with that. That would have worked. But, great no, but no, I mean, I, every generation has their boy bands, and I guess it's easy to make fun of when they when they first come out. <laughs> then um, the world will still be talking about them twenty five years from now. Well, so who is the next person who's going to commit, in your opinion? I think the tackle from Olive Branch, Mississippi, could commit who's not next. Incredibly highly ranked, by the way. Not yet, not yet, and, and and there's a lot of talk about that, and I get a little defensive about it just because, and since I'm into it, I sort of know the process better than uh, than a lot of people. And plus, I know a lot of the guys at twenty four seven. We have had a lot of discussions with with those guys over the years about how the rankings work, but it it's it, it's 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 an evolving process. The, the the ratings are not over. It's a process. The ratings change all the time as information changes. We're not even to the summer camp season. We're not right. even to the opening. We're not even to senior seasons. We're not even to all-star games. Uh, the, the, these, these things are going to change. And one of the things I'm excited about our particular class right now is I think we're the third rated class right, right now, but six or seven of our guys, I, I feel, are not just underrated, but they're way underrated. When, when, when the the kids are reevaluated later on and 24 seven re-ranks the kids like they always do. We're going to get a big bump up because they're going to reevaluate kids like Seth McLaughlin and uh, Roy Dale Williams. I, I, I think uh, Brian branch, I think all those kids are due a huge bump in the composite. Uh, and, but just because it's early and I know a lot of people, it, you know, frustrates the hell out of me. God, I can get up on a A lot of people are like, well, kid is what he is. He, what, what, you, you can look at him today and tell you what he is. No, that's not how this works. And and people seem to know how the NFL draft works. It's the same thing. Are you going to hold Mel Kuyper accountable today because he can't accurately predict what the first, second, and third round is going to look like next April? Well, that's what you're asking of the recruiting people. It's early. There's a lot to be determined. And, and, and it's harder from high school to college, by the way, because there's 10 gazillion, trillion, billion kids that play high school football. How the hell are you going to rank them all in a year? It's just impossible. So just give it time. The process will work itself out. Don't get too worked up over who's three-star, four-star, five-star. What I would tell you to do is if you're really interested in where a kid's going to rank, watch the tape. Look at who has offered. Look at who has offered. That's that's the best thing out there. And then use your own logic to determine who's exaggerating their offer list and who's not, because that does happen. These kids are very media savvy these days. And when a kid claims, I've got offers from Alabama and Clemson, maybe he's lying, but all of a sudden he's got 20 schools looking at him the very day he says it. So it's it's smart of kids to put out misinformation like that because it gets them extra looks and extra eyeballs so you can't all take it as gospel just you know what's on the offer list but but you can figure it out and, and just don't take things at their their face value uh you know a kid that's committed to Tulane for instance probably really doesn't have Penn State Ohio State Michigan and Georgia offers okay so just use some logic watch the tape uh look for prototypically sized kids Everybody loves exceptions to the rule, but that's what they are, exceptions to the rule. And I know that five-foot-six receiver looks great on tape, but there's just not a lot of five-six receivers in the SEC for a reason. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited about a great year in-state. Alabama's going to take a lot more kids in-state this class than in previous classes because it's just so good. I I just uh, whipped up a top 18 list a while ago, and I was able to do it off the top of my head because there's so many good players uh, in the state many of whom will end up with Alabama. Others will just end up against teams that uh, playing for teams that Alabama plays. 
and uh, couldn't be more excited about recruiting. Uh, have you seen yet, Luke, have you seen the tape yet of the quarterback from California that is Alabama's number one target, Bryce Young? Bryce Young, I have. He's um, he's damn good. Yeah, I love him. Uh, and, and he is an exception to the rule because he's a short – he is a cornerback-sized quarterback. He's not even a small, short quarterback. He's cornerback-sized, almost like Nick Marshall. Uh, Kyler I mean, Murray. Kyler Murray, who I compare him to, and it's so not fair to a, a kid in high school to say, you know who you remind me of? The number one pick in the draft and the guy that won the Heisman. That That's so unfair to the kid. But I say it because – he checks so many of the boxes Kyler does. Yet he is 5'10". Yes, he's not the thickest kid in the world, but he's so athletic he can play other positions. He is an amazingly accurate passer from the pocket, outside the pocket. This kid has two a level accuracy at the same stage. He has amazing arm strength. He is 5'10", 180. He has the arm strength of a 6'4", 230-pound quarterback prospect with a good arm. I mean, this kid can really whip it. He's a winner. Uh, he's the quarterback at a young age at the most powerful program in all of California. Uh, he is highly productive. He's a good kid with good grades. Uh, I, there's a lot to like about that kid. I want him really badly, and I never imagined me and Nick Saban wanting a five foot ten, hundred and eighty pound quarterback. But that's who I want, and. I think in modern college football, in the Tua sense, in the Kyler Murray sense, he is exactly what you need. And, uh, you know, and just, just two or three years ago, I was saying that about, you know, six foot four pocket passers, but the game's changed. And uh, I, I, I'm all about signing a kid that makes me say, you know, who he reminds me of Kyler Murray. Well, another thing that I've learned is if your quarterback isn't going to be a prototypical height, that's okay if you've got four Jerry Judys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Alabama, I mean, obviously right now we do. Right now we do. And, you know, Mechie looked good this spring. We need to sign a really good wide receiver group in this class. And, you know, it's I'm not going to complain because it's early and who knows who's going to end up in the class. I do think the guys that are committed to us are looking better and better all the time. I wasn't crazy about Javon Baker when we took him. But since that time, he's turned into a new kid. He's won the MVP of every camp he showed up at. That kid could show up at band camp and win MVP. I mean, he, he's he's been the best wide receiver everywhere he's been. And no, he didn't clock a fantastic 40 time. But that stuff changes. I think of another pet peeve of mine that fans on message boards get really wrong is 40 times for high school players. They want to compare them to 40 times at the NFL Combine. And, and really, it, it's it's absurdly ridiculous to compare unpolished high school kids who have yet to be in a college strength conditioning program that are specifically trained to run an event. You're comparing unpolished kids who have never done it, who are basically just fold out of the backseat of a car and just told to stand this line and run fast, uh, you know, to the other end of, of the track. Uh, and, and then you want to compare that time to the 40 times of the best athletes in the world at Indianapolis It's nuts. So everyone needs to, <laughs> To, to realize that in high school, if you run like in the four sevens, you're fast as shit. You're yeah. fast as shit. They're going to turn that into something like a four five or better in college. Uh, and the kids that say they run four fours in high school, 90% of them are lying. They're not. They're not. There is shockingly pedestrian. Robert Foster, who clearly 
could run like the wind and made the Buffalo Bills as an undrafted free agent. He ran a 4-8 in high school. Justin Ross, who killed us in the national championship game, 4-7-9 in high school. Did it look like he was slow when he was whooping our ass out there? No, he wasn't. Uh, people, you have to understand that, it, it, you know, and from high, high school 40 times are different than college 40 times, which are different than NFL times. And by the way, in the NFL, nobody runs the 40 anymore. You know, in the last, just pick a fast guy from the NFL, uh, any guy, Julio. Julio, what do you run the 40 in now? He doesn't know. He hasn't run the 40 since he was in Indianapolis. Well, why would he? And, and first of all, that's that's what I've always thought. Like, who gives a shit? Because really, you want to know how fast you run the ten. I would think because if yeah. in, with a receiver, if if Julio gets by you after ten yards, you ain't catching his ass. It doesn't make that's a right. shit. And if, exactly he, if you right. do catch him, he's gonna stiff arm you. So you ought to have they ought to have somebody chasing you down, running the forty, so that you can stiff arm him. You go, oh, he's yeah. he's only four yeah. six, but he's four nine with a stiff arm, and it's mean as a mother. Right. They're, they're working. They're constantly working on speed training. They're constantly working to get faster, but they don't really necessarily put them on a clock. What they do is they put them on a field against other NFL players and see if they can get open, which takes speed, which takes a certain amount of speed to get open against NFL defensive backs. But but anyway, I just I'm going to get on a rant about 40 times. And I, I kind of, to be honest, to show what a turd I can be, I sort of mess with people sometimes like I see, like, let's say on a message board, they'll say, I'll tell you who I really like. I love this running back and that they'll say who it is. And then I will find their actual legit measurables and post them. Oh, well, here's this measurables. And then inevitably they almost all go, Oh no, like it was bad news. And really it's a joke because actually most of the time the measurables are fine. But again, fans compare 11th graders measurables to NFL ready college seniors. It's so ridiculous, but they do. They do. If you say, if I if you say, Oh, you like that guy? Guess what? He only runs a four six eight. They're gonna go, Oh shit. I didn't know that. Oh man, he sucks. And really <laughs> I'm like, no, actually it's fast as hell. Four six eight's yeah. fast as hell when you're in the eleventh grade and you haven't been trained by anyone to run those events. Um and 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 again, and people get even NFL times wrong. I mean, in terms of like, you know, for instance, uh, I think Elijah Holyfield is a great example. What did Elijah Holyfield run at the combine at running back? Uh, did he run 4-8? 4-8-1, 4-7-9? He ran the high 4-7s and, and didn't get drafted, if I'm right. He either didn't get drafted he did or he not, no, really he, didn't. he did not get drafted. But if I asked a typical college football fan, can you play running back in the SEC if your 40 time is 4-7-9? They'll say, oh, hell no, you can't do that. Well, Elijah Holyfield just did, and while he wasn't DeAndre Swift and he wasn't Josh Jacobs, you know what? He was a damn effective SEC running back. He was effective. He wasn't dominant. He wasn't first-team All-SEC. He wasn't one of the all-time greats, but he was effective. He, he, you, you can play at that speed. He did. I watched him do it. Yep. So people can make too big a deal of little shit. No, I'm, I'm right. I'm trying to look and see what team he signed with. Is that, um, Panthers. So he's it in Carolina. He's going to be, be yeah, with Panthers. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I think he's from that general. Well, I mean, he's from Georgia somewhere, so that's it's sort of like playing at home. And he's now a teammate of uh, Christian Miller's. Yes, yeah. Christian Miller. Christian Miller's a Panther, and I think he'll do well. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm hoping we can run through who I hope we sign. I, I'm hoping Bryce Young's the quarterback. I love Roydell Williams at running back. I think we need to sign two. Um, here's one one thing I have. I'm a huge fan of Roydell Williams. So I don't really care who the second running back is. I know everybody else is like, 
hey, we need a five star to go with Roy Dell. And yeah, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not interested in that. I'm not saying, oh, we don't need that. Of course we need that. I want to rack up as many five stars as we can get. I'm just saying in my mind, Roy Dell Williams is a running back number one. He's a number one back. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I can live with the sidekick to Roy Dell, not Roy Dell being the sidekick to somebody else. So I don't really care who the second running back is because I love Roy Dell so much. I think he's going to be a great player. Uh, wide receiver, the one I really want is and I care so much about this kid, I actually texted someone in the recruiting industry because I wanted to find out how to, pronou- how to pronounce his name. I thought you were uh, going to say you texted him. No, yeah, I texted the kid. No, I, that is not what Jimmy does ever. You didn't put your name or anything. You just said, I love you. That's another soapbox of mine. Never, never tweet at prospects. or. Uh, but uh, Theo, Theo Jones-Bell. Theo okay. Jones-Bell. And that is how you say it. Theo Jones-Bell. Uh, I love him. Uh, to me, he is a guy that is just as talented as Judy, Ruggs, and Waddle. Uh, I, I think he's an impact freak. Uh, he reminds me a ton of Jalen Waddle, uh, and, and, I, and, and we lead for him. I'll be real excited if we're able to, uh, if we're able to land him. Uh, sort of like the tight end we got, Caden Clark. Uh, here's a true 40 time on Caden Clark, five flat. And uh, I, I think of that, make of it what you win. That, 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 that tells me that Caden Clark – is at 250 pounds, by the way, running five flat, uh, more of an inline Y, probably more of a blocker than a pass receiver. Hard to imagine he's going to get too much quicker as a guy who's showing up at 250 pounds. Um, so I, I think Caden Clark is fine. I wouldn't mind finding a pass catching H, an Irv Smith type guy that goes with him at tight end. But I do like Caden Clark. Now, offensive line, I have low expectations just simply because, and this does happen sometimes, it's it's a pretty weak crop. It's, it's not a great year for offensive linemen in Alabama, not a great year for offensive linemen in the South, and not a great year for offensive linemen nationally. It's just not a crop full of, full of those guys. Thankfully, we signed five last year. I think we only need to sign maybe three in this group. And if we get three blue collar, hardworking guys, uh, that's fine. I, I don't think it's going to be a year, Luke, where we, we find a Cam Robinson or a Jonah Williams. I, I don't know that there's a guy out there like that for us in this group. But, hey, let's get three hardworking blue collar guys because that's one position where, 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 where guys you wouldn't suspect are great end up being great. Maybe uh, you know a, a group where you sign three Ross Pierce Bakers is, is, is actually yeah. a pretty good group. Uh, and, and I think that needs to be the goal. Uh, McLaughlin is committed to us now sort of fits that mold. And I think Xavier Hill from, uh, from Isle Branch, Mississippi, very likely might commit next. He's more of a high upside guy. I don't think he's an impact star, but I think Xavier Hill ha- has the sort of feet and talent that he could be a multi-year starter at Alabama. Defensive line sort of the same situation as the offensive line. Not a great year. Uh, an in-state guy that I really like that's uncommitted is Eric Taylor from Hewitt Trustville. Uh, I actually like straight up as a, as a SEC defensive lineman, to be honest, I like Eric Taylor more than I even like Jason Jones from Calera or uh, Jamarian Lathan, who's committed to us right now from Pickens County. So uh, I, I hope we add Eric Taylor myself, just on my evaluation. I think he's fantastic, but we're probably not going to sign an all-star defensive line group partly because we did a year ago and partly because the crop just isn't there. But I'll tell you where the crop is, and that's at linebacker. And thankfully, we need about six, maybe even seven. And boy, is it a great year to need linebackers because it is shooting fish in a barrel. 
There are linebackers everywhere. The state is loaded with them. The South loaded. The nation is loaded with linebackers, both edge guys and inside guys. So we're going to end up with a great group. We already have a great group committed. I hope we can add Quindarius Robinson from Jackson Olin. Going to be a tough sign. Most of those Jackson Olin kids have been signing with Auburn. But uh, Quindarius is, in my opinion, the number one prospect in Alabama. Had great measurables at, uh, at the Atlanta Nike uh, I think that's where, in my mind, he cemented himself as the number one prospect in Alabama, was at Atlanta Nike. Uh, big fan of his. I hope we get him. He, he's an outside guy, but in my opinion, he can play will linebacker in our scheme. Uh, but we're going to do great at linebacker because there's so many. DB, we already have four committed. I think we'll end up with five. Uh, maybe a guy or two committed to us there might not end up with us. But, uh, you know, I think it's a solid group. I really like Brian Branch, the safety that committed to us recently from Georgia. What I like about him is he's a safety because he's got a safety's body, but he has he has cornerback ball skills. I think I think this is a ball player. He just happens to be built like a safety. Uh, I think Malachi Moore is, is, is a guy with good ball skills, maybe not the fastest guy. Uh, he ran a 4-7. Another good example of, of you, if I told anybody, hey, can you play cornerback a 4-7-0? Uh, the answer most people are going to say is no. Well, we just had one in Savion Smith. <laughs> you know, he just played cornerback 4-7-0. Not always with good results, I might add. But, uh, you know, Malachi Moore, uh, you know, ran a 4-7-0 at Atlanta Nike, but that does not mean he's going to run a 4-7 at Alabama after working with Scott Cochran, after eating better, after speed training, after learning to run speed events. Uh, I think you'll see Malachi Moore run 4-5 times at Alabama, not 4-7-0. But Malachi, like, uh, Jacquez Robinson, the corner from Sandalwood in Jacksonville, uh, not knocked out by him. But here's what does knock me out about him. Apparently, the three schools that want him most are Alabama, LSU, and Florida. Those are the three best cornerback programs in the whole United States of America. You, you want to find an NFL cornerback, go to Alabama, LSU, or Florida. Those are the three programs that want Jaquez Robinson. So clearly, he's a guy that should be rated much higher than he is uh, at the present time. Uh, I think J.J. Moore is a better safety prospect than a corner. Uh, he's also committed to Alabama. I think the DB group will be fine. Uh, the DL group will be fine. The linebacking core we could sign. If we end up, dude, with Drew Sanders, Chris, <coughs> Drew Sanders, Chris Braswell, and Reggie Grimes, the second, if we sign those three guys as our edge rushers, it, it will be the three best edge rushers we've ever signed in one class ever. And that in and of itself would make it a stellar group on defense. No, I, yeah, I love the, I love the prospects of that. There's, there's no doubt, but who, okay. So forget the kid out of Olive Branch, who besides him, do you think will be the biggest next splashy commitment? How about Christian story? The safety from Lynette. I, I, I currently rank him the second best prospect in Alabama behind Quindarius Robinson. Some people like some people like Story as receiver. To me, I like him as a safety, and I get sort of adamant about that he should play safety. But the reason I like him at safety is he is athletic enough to be an impact receiver in this league. And to me, he would just be such an elite safety because you're talking about a guy who's more athletic. Than, than even the majority of highly rated safeties. I'll use a good example of, and then this is kind of what's funny about, uh, you know, I like Keenan Allen out of high school years and years ago as a safety, but he wanted to play wide receiver. And, and you could look at me in the face and say, see, you were wrong. Keenan Allen's a wide receiver is an all pro wide receiver. So you were wrong. I would insist, no, I'm not. How do you know he wouldn't be an all pro safety? 
Uh, no, I agree. <laughs> I mean, uh, and how, how do you, do you know, know he wouldn't even be better? Exactly. Exactly. Well, same thing and, with Carryon Johnson. I mean, he was a. Exactly. I mean, he won SEC Offensive Player of the Year. But I, I maintain, if he had gone to Alabama and been a safety, he'd be making more money in the league right now. That might be very well true. And we could also say, as crazy as it sounds, because he's he's got a gold jacket waiting for him in Canton. Julio Jones might have been the greatest safety that ever lived. And 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 I'm not saying that they're playing in the wrong position. I'm just saying when you're great. When you're truly a great football player, there is more than one position for you on that field. And to me, Christian Story's upside is at safety. Now, can he play wide receiver? No doubt. No doubt. And he would be good there. But I, I hope he plays safety uh, like Dericky Wright that you know we're telling him. I think the kid wants to play safety. He's already 230 pounds. I mean, he's got to play linebacker. Uh, it, you know, if you play safety at 230 pounds, you're the first you know, or the first in the SEC. So uh, uh, Christian Story, I think, would be a splashy commit, and, and I expect it to happen. Um, I know a running back from California that was in town the last few days, Kendall Milton, his dad gave a very interesting interview. He, he apparently talks more than I do. BOL got him on the phone, and apparently Kendall Milton's dad shut up about an hour later. Uh, he, 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 his, the, he, 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 was, he, he obviously enjoys the recruiting process, had a lot of awesome things to say about Alabama. Of course, his son is a uh, consensus five-star back. Uh, didn't sound to me like Kendall's going to be committing anytime really soon, uh, but Alabama would be among the leaders for him much like Najee Harris, we're talking about a five-star consensus number one back in California. So Kendall Milton would be a, a big deal. Uh, also has great parents and a great support system, and uh, that never hurt anybody. No, you're right, and he did give a long interview. I mean, like a lot of these updates that BOL has, it's two or three paragraphs. And, you know, right. we asked the dad what he thought of Alabama, and he said, quote, good, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> Kendall Milton's dad was like, so anyway, we get there, and 459 was scenic, and then we make our way down. You know, I mean, it was it was a very was long like, interview, and almost like, even too much for a recruit, Nick. You're like, okay. At, yeah, at I know. It's like, what is this going to happen? It was like, well, you know, we uh, we met Amy Bragg, and she fixes this great lunch. The broccoli a little dry, but it was more it was more than made up for with the gravy on the mashed potatoes, which was just out of this world. And let me tell you, we had three different choices of ribeye. I mean, it was, it was literally like that. And you're like, well, this was fascinating reading, and now I'm like, just, now I'm hungry. Just commit to just commit to USC already. <laughs> I feel like if, if his son gets in the huddle, he'll be like, let's run that play to the left or to the right or right up the middle. Either one is interesting to me because they all have so many dynamics involved. You get a delay a game. Uh, Alabama's Alabama's five minutes late run out of the tunnel because Kendall Milton gave the pregame speech. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, wrapping things up. Anything else you want to throw out there? Alabama and Oklahoma are going to be. Uh, playing one another in 2032, there's no chance you and I will be alive for those. Not if I keep living this hard life. Not unless you find that liver transplant you so desperately need. <laughs> that's, that's getting to where it's not even funny anymore. It, at this point, it might be better if they just replaced your liver with an open bottle of Jim Beam. <laughs> at least there'd be a lot of room for growth it'd if be, the bottle's empty. It'd be a lot more pure. <laughs> like you, you, your body would be like, thank you. 
at least now we got a real, uh, it's not a real liver, but it's acting so much like it's what it is. Your liver was so fake, like it's doing all these other things when we all know it is saturated with alcohol. The job job can just catch up to you at times. I tell this to people all the time. I do have, I think, the right personality for this job, but a lot of our listening audience has been divorced. So uh, imagine that, but imagine living about 60 of them at a time. So, I'm going to tell you, it's funny. Um, At lunch today, I was talking to a bunch of friends of mine and and we were talking about how, you know, I've learned having talked to a few people and and been in some scenarios myself that my family growing up was much less dysfunctional than I thought it was. And we, (laughs) and we were like what I thought textbook dysfunction. And now I'm looking around and have some close interaction with some, with some other very dysfunctional folks. And a friend of mine who's also a divorce attorney, he said, he said, you just have no idea. He said, and he's had so much shit happen to him. Like I did, I thought he way past dysfunction. And he said, you know what? I, I, he said, I thank God every day. I'm not going through what 90% of my clients go through. It, it's oh, yeah. crazy. I could write a book, but it would be less believable than a, than a TV show about a queen that rides dragons. Who's in love with someone who died and came back. You know, it was funny. I don't know if you saw the story, but there were a showrunner apparently left um, a Starbucks cup in one of the scenes. Yeah. Like I've accidentally. <laughs> and I went back and looked at it and I was like, damn it, there's a Starbucks cup. And um, that's hilarious. <laughs> and it's really funny. And somebody said, you know, it, it it's what's crazier is everybody else is so mad about a Starbucks cup being left in a scene with about a woman who rides dragons for a living. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, sort of like where I got really, the joke from. That really took the reality of the show out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of what I was joking about. I mean, no, no one would believe how, if I wrote a book about, you know, the 50 craziest divorces I ever, you know, managed, uh, <laughs> people wouldn't believe it. it. It would just be so much easier to believe, you know, the, uh, the plot from a time travel movie. You know, um, Dennis Miller was, and John Larroquette were on Saturday Night, John Larroquette was the guest host, and Dennis Miller was an angel for Saturday Night Live, and Larroquette dies, and he goes to heaven, and he's like, okay, I'm in heaven, this is pretty cool. He said, I want to ask you some questions. He said, sure, man, I know everything about your life. He said, okay, well, what's the grossest thing I ever ate? He said, you don't want to know that. <laughs> he said, well, what's the 43rd grossest thing I ever ate? He said, well, somebody's earwig fell in your chocolate pudding. He was like, Jesus, that's the 43rd grossest thing. And that's what, that's what like, you can't write your top divorce stories. You have to go to like number 43. That's true. Um, all right. Well, uh, any, any other thoughts you want to pass out there? right now? Uh, just excited about the evaluation period coaches on the road. Uh, they'll be back in a couple of weeks, May, uh, kind of a weird month, you know, it's the evaluation pairs, high school jamborees. I might go to a couple this week. I want to see Theodore plays Thursday and they've got uh, Des Moines Kennedy. Or... Nope. Nope. The high school, the uh, high school, Theodore high school. That would have been uh, a hell of a lot more interesting. Yeah. They got a, uh, a, a rising junior DB. I want to see who was just a young sophomore last year. I thought I had a chance and, and now he's getting some attention. So I think he might be a dude and uh, Des Moines Kennedy who, is a linebacker that 99 out of 100 years Alabama would be dying to get, but recruit at such a high level now. I don't, I don't think we're even really recruiting him, but he's plenty good enough to play football for Alabama. Uh, he's likely, likely, I think, to end up at LSU. 
Uh, yeah, he so, committed from Auburn, right? He was committed to Auburn, decommitted, and, and is leaning towards LSU and Florida. He actually decommitted to Auburn while at Florida State, but is thought to be leaning to LSU. So you can't tell me a kid that could go to Florida State, LSU, and Auburn is just, you know, refuse for Alabama. I mean, clearly the kid's a dude and, and, you know, he'll play. And I, you know, I like him a lot. He's a very versatile linebacker. The thing that impresses me about Des Moines, if I was talking to a college coach about why they should like him is that first, second, or third down, he could be lined up anywhere. When it's a rundown, when the other team is going to run the ball, he lines up at inside linebacker. When the other team is going to throw the ball, half the time he lines up on the edge to rush the passer. The other half time he lines up at deep safety. I mean, they move him all over the field because he's athletic enough to play safety. He he is a, a premier a high school pass rusher. Uh, so really, what he is is much like Dericky Wright. He is a a he is the modern college linebacker who is dangerous dropping into coverage, uh, which which we never used to ask linebackers to do that in the eighties and nineties. We didn't ask them to do that a lot. Now we're asking college linebackers to cover deep middle and cover cro- receivers running crossing routes. You have to be just real athletic to do that, and I think Des Moines Kennedy uh, fits that really well. So uh, hopefully I'll see him this week, and, and again, the coaches are out on the road, and uh, when the coaches get back, it's the interim period and uh, a lot of vacations, and then uh, June starts the uh, camp season when a lot of the biggest and best prospects in Alabama will be attending camp in Tuscaloosa and where we're bound to get some commitments. All right, man. Well, we promise to try and do this next week. <laughs> We'll try. We've been trying for three weeks and like every, everything. Hell, I'm, I may be binging Game of Thrones by then. <laughs> for all the boob talk. Um, <laughs> and Starbucks. Boobs and Starbucks, baby. That's what I think of when I think of Game of Thrones. All right. Um, the top all right. Ten. Roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.